So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But, you? but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. Good morning, everyone. It's bright and early, especially in California, which is where my good friend uh, Drew Aiello, uh, Dr. Drew, is uh, is at right now. Uh, I've known Drew for quite a while now. We've been become really good friends. We've hunted together, and uh, I think we're hunting mountain goat again together this year coming up. So what's going on, man? I appreciate you hopping on with yeah. me. Yeah, thanks. Uh, really happy to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for, really uh, forward to that hunt a lot actually um but yeah just um getting my day started um uh, had a kind of a rough night with the coyotes outside i guess trash night tonight so so they're out howling and my dogs are going nuts but uh um, there 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 there's wildlife in california believe it or not <laughs> yeah well i met uh i met you at scott you had booked an out dad hunt um where I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd originally met you, but for, and a lot of, a lot of trad guys know who you are. Um, but you're, you're, you're obviously, I've called you Dr. Drew. You're a doctor and, uh, I guess you're a family mm-hmm. practice doctor. How long have you been doing that for? I've been doing it for about 27 years. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm 60. Uh, so I kind of came into medicine later on in life. I, uh, uh, when I was in high school, I, I wasn't really serious about school. My main priority living in Southern California basically was getting to the beach and surfing. So, you know, I, I, um, you know, I, I barely passed high school. I, I came down to my geom, my geometry grade and, and, um, and my, uh, uh, my geometry teacher was my volleyball teacher. So he kind of felt sorry for me. I think and gave me a D so that I got me through high school, but, um, but yeah, I went into the biotech industry, worked for a, a big biotech company now called Amgen, which is in Southern California. And I, I messed around that little, a little while, but I really, um, my, my passion was in medicine and, and, um, I wanted to do that. So after the, the birth of my first son, uh, I talked to my wife and decided, Hey, you know, I'd really like to, uh, to try this out, but it had to be, you know, kind of a team effort from the family and my wife was into it. And so started the journey and then seven years later, finally finished. And, um, yeah, I'm very, very happy practicing medicine. I don't think I'll ever retire. It's a, it's a very rewarding profession. I enjoy taking care of, uh, uh, people, uh, very rewarding to me. And so when did you get, uh, into, into bow hunting or hunting in general? So, um, I, um, I, I would say probably early nineties. I growing up in, like I said, growing in, in, in Malibu and, uh, Southern California surfing, getting into that. I always loved being in the ocean and whatnot. And, uh, I was always looking for a reason to, um, to, to be in the water, even when the waves weren't good. So, uh, I picked, you know, I started getting the water. I got in a, with a pole spear and I wanted to, you know, hunt, hunt fish with a pole spear basically. And, um, so I started doing that when I was about 
I don't know, about 12, 13 years old. And, and it was just super fun for me, just hunting fish, you know, uh, underneath the water, uh, all breath hold, free diving. And then, um, and that, and I progressed and pro- progressed and I picked up a spear gun and started, you know, shooting bigger fish. And, um, and then, um, I would say probably early nineties, uh, uh, you know, I was mostly hunting white sea bass and stuff off the coast here. And uh, a buddy of mine, he was, he came up to me and he said, Hey, you know what? I'd really like to learn how to hunt white sea bass. And I said, okay, no problem. I'll take you in the water. We'll do it. And he said, I said, I got, and he was, he was a, he was a hunter on land hunter, I guess, or terrestrial hunter. I said, well, I'll make a deal with you. Why don't you, um, you teach me how to, you know, do, do a little bit of hunting on land and I'll teach you how to hunt some fish in the water and, um, push game to shove. And he took me out for my first Turkey hunt. Um, and, um, I, uh, uh, it went to, up, up to Paso Robles and put a, put a, um, you know, uh, um, a gun, basically a shotgun in my hands and, you know, uh, called the turkey in and gosh, I, I, my heart, when that turkey started walking in, my heart was racing so hard. I couldn't, I couldn't, I've never felt that feeling before. It was just like, it was, it was nuts. And, um, and, uh, I went up to take a sh- to shot and I missed the turkey. Turkey went running away and all that kind of stuff. But that was kind of the start of it and kind of moved into shooting pigs up in Paso Robles I got my first, um, uh, um, I got my first black tailed deer with a rifle up in Paso Robles. And then I, I thought, you know, this is pretty cool, but you know, I like, I like to do something maybe a little more challenging, you know what I mean? Uh, and so archery was, was, was definitely kind of the, the next progression in that. And, um, started, you know, investigating, pick, got my first compound bow uh shot my first pig with a compound bow shot my first um uh shot my first deer with a compound bow shot my first turkey and then and then um i guess um as as kind of years go on you know i hunted elk and larger western game with a compound bow over the next 10 years and um i you know i I, I, I was, I would say, I don't know, fairly successful. I wouldn't say crazy successful. You know, it's, I was kind of learning, you know, what it takes to be a hunter, you know, um, it, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, you can be an excellent archery shot, but if you, if you don't have the skills in the field, you know, to be a hunter, it's hard to be successful. So, you know, making a lot of mistakes and, um, and I think it's just time, you know, as far as hunting time and, and, um, but again, I'm 60, you know, and, um, uh, what I found was as I got older, um, my eyesight just kind of, deter- it just, just deteriorates and it's going to, it happens to everybody, you know, you, you, it's just not as sharp as it used to be. And I started analyzing the fact that, um, you know, looking through, uh, here I am, 
you know, I'm, I'm left eye dominant. Okay. So I have to close my left eye, uh, in order to get an accurate shot. Okay. Then I'm, I'm looking through a peep and then I'm looking through a housing and then I'm putting a pin on a small spot on an animal. My field of vision is at that point is, is, is almost nothing, you know? Yeah. So I said, you know, for me, you know, there's got to be a, a, a better way, you know? So, so I, you know, I, I, I was just kind of tooling around the internet and, you know, I was, I came across, uh, 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 the push archery and, and Matt Zernzak and his, his, um, video on, which I think is like a traditional archery video or, or something. And, two-hour video, which basically went through the whole gamut of traditional archery, you know, from, you know, recurves to longbows and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, it, it was really tough for me to, to try to figure out what the traditional bow was. How was I going to instinctively shoot? Because all I was seeing on the internet was, uh, okay, you know, most of these guys instinctively shoot. I, I, I didn't understand there was any concept, other concept, to, to shoot with a traditional bow other than, than, uh, than instinctive. And I thought to myself, okay, how am I going to, um, how am I going to do this instinctive thing? You know? So I, 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 I played around with it. I got a Samick Sage bow on, on, um, on the internet and uh, I think Amazon or something. And I started playing around with that and I started, you know, shooting, um, a 25 pound bow or whatever. And, uh, and I don't know, I, it just, it just wasn't very accurate. So there's no way I'm going to be able to hunt this way. It's just not going to work, you know? And so, but, but, you know, Matt started talking about this, this, uh, fixed crawl type of thing. And I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to try that, you know? So, so I set up my fixed crawl, um, uh, and, um, and it, you know, it was effective for me, you know, I could be accurate with it. You know, even with one eye closed, I could be accurate with it. And uh, and what was really nice about it was the fact that, you know, my field of vision just immediately just was like night and day between shooting a compound bow and shooting a traditional bow. And um, and I think from that point on, I was, I was kind of hooked. And, you know, it was a lot of, you know, obviously it was before I, I made the decision that I wasn't going to hunt with a traditional bow for at least three years, I was going to give myself three years to really learn the craft and become effective. I already had hunting, the hunting skills under my belt for the most part, or at least what I thought was sufficient. And, um, and so, and so I, uh, uh, and so I gave it three years and, um, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, on YouTube, um, you had just got into traditional hunting at that point. So I was following you, um, a lot of great information, a lot of good content. Um, Tom Klum, I went to, to visit Tom over at Arm Eskier, uh, special year, at, um, uh, three or four times I spent, uh, you know, probably about eight days, uh, and Tom was great at sharpening up my skills and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, and so, 
honestly, I mean, I am more, I am a way better successful hunter with my traditional bow than I ever was with a compound bow. I mean, it's just, it's just for me, it just works. And, and, uh, 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 and it's just kind of opened up a new area for me, uh, as far as hunting goes, I, I'm, I'm more excited about it. I shoot every, you know, almost every day. And, um, I never did that with a compound bow. I mean, I, I I had to kind of almost force myself to get started, you know, maybe a month before the hunt. And that was just, that was just a mistake. It was just a mistake. You know, you know, I think guys who shoot compound have to shoot regularly, you know, all year round to be really be successful. You know, I like the way you shoot. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's important, especially when you're hunting, uh, you know, a lot of these Western game, where you know that that one arrow is very important as far as getting a kill but yeah that, that's basically you know how i kind of got into the traditional aspect or, or hunting i guess you would say um yeah so with um obviously since um i mean since you and i talk frequently what what all what hunts have you gone on so far? I, I mean, I know you just got back from you know uh, a well a brown bear hunt, and you got an elk. Uh, I guess that was in Arizona as well. But like, what hunts have you went on with that stick bow? And like, how bad was the I say bad or good? What was the learning curve like? <laughs> so from first to uh, you know when you first got going, and then till now, was it one of the? Did you ever think about yeah. okay, this is going to be a rough one or? You know, the funny thing is, is I thought, yeah, I was going to have more of a rough time of it than not. But, you know, basically on everything that I just explained to you, um, uh, really fit for me. I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just almost like it was it was it was kind of it was my jam at that point. And um, my first um, my first traditional archery kill was about um, I want to say it was about seven years ago. And uh and I was hunting blacktail deer on a ranch during the rut in velvet, uh, in Paso Robles. And, um, uh, the, you know, the first day we went out, um, there, there's a real, it's a private ranch. Um, they, they have a lot of, they had a lot of nice bucks walking around on this property and, um, and um, the first day, a big, big three by three. I mean, he looked like he looked like a mule deer for a black tail. Um, comes in, and we put. He basically goes beds in into kind of this cage structure, and um, we put a stock on him. And uh, and I get within, um, I get within, you know, probably about twenty five yards, and it's about a two hour wait, wait, waiting for him to get out of his bed. And it's literally like a hundred and. 15 degrees out and we're just trying to get every part of the shade and behind the rock while we're sitting there waiting for him to get up out of his bed. Finally, you know, after about two and a half, three hours, he gets out of his bed and walks out and it's go time. And, and, and I took my shot and I missed high on him and, and, uh, he came, he came back around, uh, and I, and I probably could have had a second shot, but, um, but I just, I didn't have quite have it in my head as far as getting it, getting another uh, arrow loaded and whatnot. So, anyways, he kind of went off, and I thought, okay, this is, this is not good because, because this would, 
this would have been probably a slam dunk with a with a um, with a compound bow. And uh, and so the next day, we we went you know the same area looking for that buck. Um, we didn't see him, but we saw three uh, three you know uh, four two by twos that were going up. They're up on the hill, and so we started to make a stock and. Uh, we got, we got up the hill and we got, I got just behind this. Uh, I mean, literally it's like a, maybe a two by two rock. Um, I got behind it and luckily enough, um, two of them split off and the, and the largest one comes down the, down the hill. And, uh, um, and he, he just walks probably about 18 yards in front of me. And, uh, and I just stood up and I just, uh, uh, went to draw and released and that arrow just, you know, just went straight through him, double lunged him at 18 yards. And, and, um, he went probably about, I don't know, probably about a uh, hundred yards down the hill running and then just collapsed at the bottom. And, uh, uh, it turned out, it turned out to be a really nice old, uh, two by two and, you know, up there in Paso, you get, they're kind of hybrid, uh, um, black tailed deer. So, um, uh, they don't really, they don't qualify for Pope and Young as far as, um, uh, a black tailed deer goes. So he would have qualified for black, for, for Pope and Young, but, um, but they don't qualify because they're, they're considered hybrid. So you have to go above a certain, uh, latitude, uh, in California in order to, for them to qualify. But, but that, that was, that was, that was a hook for me. Okay. You know, okay. Now I can do this, you know, I can do this. So, um, uh, basically, uh, went on to harvest my first elk, uh, uh, the, the next year, uh, hunting in New Mexico and, and, um, and I had an elk that, uh, it was, it was, it was a good hunt. I couldn't get really close to a real big, big elk that year. Um, but my goal wasn't to really get, you know, to take a, a big elk or anything like that. My goal was to take a, a, you know, a, a, at least a, a four-year-old elk that, uh, that, you know, I could harvest with my stick bow and have a good experience. And, and so I was kind of waiting for that right opportunity to, to make it a good experience. You know what I mean? So, so I think on the fourth day, um, uh, there was a couple of elk that were, were out in the field and we called, we called them in, but they weren't coming in. And then we had another, and then we had this, you know, probably four year old elk, you know, he was a six by six, but you know, he wasn't anything to throw a stick at him. He's probably about, I don't know, 270 or, you know, at most two two ninety. But, um, but he just came strolling down, you know, uh, throughout a little cow call. He just came strolling down, like just want to check things out. And he just walked like, 15 yards in front of me and i said you know what I, i'm you know i this is a chip shot you know and i'm just going to take it and uh, and i did and it just hit him a uh, low heart and um he went about 75 yards and just bedded down in the trees and that was my second animal with the stick bow and and uh and again i mean it it kind of solidified it more for me that hey i can't do this and there's no reason why that that 270 bull couldn't have been a 370 bull you know walking walking right past me you know uh 
but uh, you know, and you know, started now. Now it's like okay, I can I can go on some of these more expensive, I guess, Western hunts and feel feel like I'm justified, um, you know, bringing a stick bow with me and doing it. And, and it, and it was, it was kind of a tough transition. Okay. So, so I've been on three bear hunts. Okay. And a brown bear hunt. And, and the first brown bear hunt, I was conflicted, you know, stick bow compound, stick bow compound. Okay. So I brought both. I mean, what a mistake, you know, you know, to do that. I mean, it's like, in my opinion, look, if you're going to go to traditional bow you need to commit to traditional bow um if you're going to be shoot compound you know whatever you know what i mean don't bring two <laughs> don't bring two bows in the field you know uh so that's what i did and it, and it was kind of a problem for me i didn't i didn't get an opportunity on a bear that year but um but you know the next year i decided hey um i'm going to just I'm going to drop the compound. I'm going to trust that I can do this with the stick bow. And, um, uh, and you know, each successive hunt, I proved that if I didn't harvest an animal with a stick bow, I could get close enough to harvest an animal with a stick bow. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. It's like, can I really get, I mean, you know, these people, you walk in, you walk into bear camp and you're the only archer there and you're with, and you, and you got a stick bow. Okay. And, and the looks you get from, from, from some of these other rifle hunters is, is, is just priceless. You know, like he's just fucking nuts. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but, uh, but you know, it's like, it's fun when, you know, you can, you can show them that, Hey, this can be done, you know, uh, whether it's an elk camp or, whatever so um so i i uh, you know i i did a hunt kind of a dream hunt for me i went to the yukon um this uh, uh last october and um you know the yukon has kind of been something that i've had i've dreamed about ever since i was a kid i was i was really into reading you know jack london books and um and ernest hemingway and and um Mark Twain and talking about the Yukon and gold and the animals and the wolves and whatnot. Like, it's just like, I, that's what enamored me as a kid. And so, um, my dream was to go to the Yukon and kill a, kill a, uh, a Yukon moose. I mean, that, that was, that was, uh, you know, something that I really wanted to do. And, at the time when I was dreaming about it, you know, I didn't, I didn't really care if I was going to shoot it with a rifle or I was going to shoot it with a bow or whatever. But, uh, but, uh, you know, I had the means to do it. And so I booked, booked a hunt, um, up with, um, Caesar Lake Outfitters. Um, Joel Wilkinson was running the operation. He, 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 he sold the operation to Dustin Rowe, but it's a, it's a great unit. <laughs> it's got a lot of great units up there. And, um, and, uh, so, uh, it was, it was, it was funny because there was a, there was active burn going through the unit that was hunting. So basically literally the week we flew in the week before it was like raging inferno going through that place. So I thought, Oh, this is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried that there's going to be any moose hanging around this area. Uh, 
but uh, you know, they had a, a cabin set up there, but that burned down. So they set up a wall tent. It was fine, but um, I was surprised actually. There was there's still a lot of of animals walking around. I guess I guess once the fire goes through, a lot of the animals like to come in and um, uh, they like to come in because they get they get uh, protection from the bugs from the smoke. So, um, so, uh, yeah, um, it was told the, the, the bummer part about that hunt, and, uh, is, is that it took us seven days to get in the field. So, um, I don't know if you've been up to the Yukon, if you've, if you've been into, um, flew into Whitehorse and then went to Watson Lake, basically and Watson Lake. I don't know if you heard been into Watson Lake, but it's a pretty small town and, and, um, I gotta say that um, you know it's a one restaurant town, and um, uh, it's um, leaves much to be desired. Let's just say um, you know you can handle about two, two, three days of it. But when you're sitting in that town for seven days, as far as I'm concerned, it was it was, it was rough. <laughs> and me and my buddy, me and my buddy Ed, you know he's 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 my elk, elk hunting buddy. We were there, and and we were just we were getting on each other's nerves. I mean, just like you know, the sixth day, we were just fighting and all this kind of stuff, you know, finally we got in the field, um, uh, active burning going on all around us, you know, uh, it was like smoking two, a pack of marble reds every, every couple hours out there. Uh, but you know, we were optimistic and we could get out of the smoke for periods of time because we were jumping on those jet boats and we were heading up river you know, looking for moose, uh, on the, on the riverbank. And, uh, um, and, um, we, uh, um, you know, on my, th- came across a few nice moose, but nothing, nothing really shooters for the first three days. And then the third day, um, <laughs> um, we, we kind of humped it more inland, you know, and started, um, uh, calling at that point. And, uh, called in, uh, you know, started making that, uh, my guide started making those, um, those moose grunts and, and, um, sure enough, we get a response and, um, one starts walking in and, and I, you know, I, I'm sure you've been in that, you know, you know, that Yukon, you know, uh, wilderness, that deadfall, nothing like, you know, walking through deadfall and, in, in, in our Western states. I mean, it's like, you're talking about, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, seven feet diameter logs on the ground and you're trying to get over them and there's just no, you can't put your foot on the ground, honestly. And, and so, so we hike in about a mile and stuff and, and then this moose comes walking in and I think he was 25 yards and I kind of had a, uh, you know, I kind of had a, a a deal with my uh, guide. I said, you know, I'm just going to look over at you and you're going to tell, you're going to give me a thumbs up and a thumbs down. That's all I want is a thumbs up and thumbs down. So, so I saw, I came in, I saw that he was a pretty good sized moose. Uh, um, and, um, and, he, and I looked at him and he gave me a thumbs up. And so I drew back and I shot at 25 yards in the arrow completely 
penetrated him. Uh, uh, I, I want, it was definitely double lung. It was probably top of the heart. Um, he, he literally walked about 30 yards and then, and then crashed down. And, and I, I mean, I was so ecstatic. I can't even tell you, I mean, just to have a clean kill like that on a large animal like that. And, um, um, you know, I, I use that, that iron wheel, uh, uh, single bevel 135. Uh, and, um, and it would clean through him and, uh, and the arrow landed at the same height that exited on, on a branch and just laid there. You know, it took me like an hour to finally find the arrow. Cause I was looking on the ground, but the arrow was actually just levitating on top of a, a branch. And, um, uh, it was, it was a little bit of work in that moose out, you know, through all that deadfall, but, um, but that, you know, I mean, that's like, the, these are things that really kind of, I, I've been very fortunate. I cannot lie. I mean, you know, to have success with the stick bow so later on in life, you know, and I kind of attribute it to, you know, the ability to have this open field of view this and compared to, for me, for a compound and, um, and also, um, you know, being able to utilize kind of a fixed crawl type of system and, um, uh, I'm, I'm, and, and it's like, I'm, I so, t- I so love tinkering with, with tuning arrows and building arrows and, and, um, uh, it's, it's just so fun for me. It's something I never did a, with compound. I, I guess what intimidated me the most is not really having the ability to, to really work on my bow. The, the nearest bow shop from my house is like two hours. So if for a compound with my compound, it's like, I would have to, to go two pounds to get the two hours of you know driving just to get the thing tuned up or if something went wrong it's like i now in my garage with a stick bow i can do anything i want with that stick bow i can tune my arrows i got i've got my um my uh um all my tuning implements um i, I build all my own arrows uh and um uh, uh, paper tune all my new arrows, you know? Uh, so, so that's, that's just fun for me, you know? So, uh, uh, yeah. Getting into it like later, you're like, you were talking about, um, and you know, going on pretty cool hunts. And then, like I said, we're going to go on the, um, the goat hunt next year, like physically, cause you said you're, you're, you know, you're 60. Is it catching up with you? you know, physically, like, like knees, shoulders, like everything good, or because you hadn't abused your body drawing a bow back for a year, like a lot of guys have shoulder issues, whether they're drawing back correctly or not, or whatever later in life, are you, is anything mm-hmm. catching up with you? Right. Yeah, I would say that's probably the only benefit to not being a hunter early on in life is not abusing my body to the point where now um, I can't get up and down the hill. Because look, I look at all these these um, these old outfitters um, that are having knee surgery, replacement, hip surgeries, and what you know. These guys have been packing all their lives, you know, coming down heavy with with you know hundred plus in their pack off a sheep hunt or a goat hunt, you know, and, um, they've abused their bodies and, and, um, 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, talk to some of these young Packers and I, and I try to, 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 you know, and I know they've got their work to do and whatnot, but, you know, I try to tell them that they, you know, they have to really kind of protect their, their, their knees and their joints because longevity is the key. And, and you might be, you might be, uh, you know, putting all your effort into getting someone else's animal. But when you turn 60 and maybe you have the ability to, to hunt, you know, that, that lifetime hunt, you know, you want to be able to do it to a hundred percent and you can. So, so I, you know, I realized they got a job to do for me. It was like, um, yeah. Um, uh, I, I did benefit by the fact of not really beating up my body at an early age. And yes, you know, I, you know, I get, I get the medial epicondylitis on my elbow from my bow because I shoot a pretty, pretty heavy bow, 62 pounds at, uh, at 29 inches. So it does wear a little bit. Um, it does wear a little bit on the shoulders. Um, but you can't, you can't stop the degeneration. You know, as you get older, whether you abuse your body or not, your, your, your joints degenerate, the cartilage degenerates, whatnot, just from normal, uh, uh, wear and tear. And, um, and so, uh, you know, you really have to go into, you know, as a guy who's 60 and doing the, doing a goat hunt or doing a sheep hunt, you, you have to go into this in the best physical condition that you can, you can't, I mean, for, um, you know, to be, I think to be successful, you know, um, uh, you have to, you know, go in with the best physical conditioning and it may be, you know, doing things like wearing knee, knee, uh, uh, support braces or, um, uh, uh, you know, bringing the necessary medication to, 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 to help control pain, um, not being stupid, you know, picking and choosing your battles. That's, that's really key. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, at this point in my life, you know, it's like, it's not smart for me to get on a mountain bike and go racing down a mountain on it or even, you know, doing stuff because, because I'd rather, I'd rather hunt, you know, and be able to hunt rather than, you know, injure myself mountain biking, you know? So I've given up mountain biking and I'm supposed to be, I, I actually, I get most of my exercise road biking when it comes to a bike, but you know, uh, you know, core strengthening is so key, you know, uh, I think a, a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of guys don't do enough core strengthening. Um, they, they work on muscle groups, you know, but, you know, back, uh, chest, arms, legs, but you know, what, what I don't think they really understand is that, you know, core straight, true core strengthening is kind of a concert of, of multiple muscle groups working together and where you get, you know, where you get a sense of core strengthening the most is when you're on a sheep hunt and you're climbing the Chugash mountains for, you know, a three mile hump of endless elevation with, you know, waves of alders going in the opposite direction you're going and your pack's getting hung up every, every 10, you know, every 10 steps and you got to stop back up and undo your pack. Um, it's um that's where you get a true sense of what kind of shape you are on you're in and my i drew that that late season archery uh chugash hunt 
uh, in Alaska. Um, it was kind of a lucky, I think, I think 2% of non-residents uh, uh, draw that tag. And uh, uh, Cole Kramer put me in for that draw. And, and I was fortunate enough to, you know, I think it was the third year I, I drew it and I, I did it. But um, that was my first experience doing a, a sheep hunt. And um, uh, I, it just, it beat the living shit out of me. I tell you, I mean, I thought I thought I got into shape. I did not get into shape, but I did realize what I need to get into shape after that hunt. And, um, um, and I wish that I had had that information uh, before I did that hunt, but now I have it for future hunts. So, <laughs> well, so yeah. Um, well, one of the things I, you know, Drew has to deal with, all my body ailments and my questions. Um, generally we're talking about archery or what's fucked up with my, uh, body on the phone and, and generally both. And so like what you had said earlier yeah. is kind of catching up with me of not being smart and, uh, you know, packing too much stuff for years and years. And, and now, you know, getting closer to, to 50, my, like my knees are starting to right. catch up with me and, you know, and looking back, you know, I had people tell me not to do it and I didn't listen. And now I'm telling people like, look, I get it. Like it's, it's manly. It's, it's badass, but it's fucking not like I'm telling you now. I'm like, I hope I can squeak out to 60. And when I say squeak out, I mean, doing mountain hunts, like, okay, I, I hope I'll be able to do this until I'm, I'm 60, which isn't really that far, you know, a, a, away. And so, the, the, the three things, and I, you know, bounce this off of you. One thing I really wished I would have done is like yoga, like stretching. Um, mm -hmm. I, I never yeah. did that. And now I'm yeah. trying to make that, if you ever listen to the book Atomic Habits, make that one of those type of habits to where I'm stretching more than I'm lifting now. Um, you know, two would be like you exactly. said, core core and leg strength are huge, you know, strong legs, strong knees. And then, you know, your core strength is what really helps you, you know, carry heavy weight, really focusing on what matters. Like, don't get me wrong. No, you know, no woman ever said, I wish your arms were smaller and they, it, it's cool, but like, you don't, it doesn't have shit to do with getting up the mountain. So kind of paralleling what you yeah. said, like core and legs. And, and the last one is really your diet and nutrition is another one that, is for for lifelong happiness and also happiness on the mountain your nutrition inflammation things like that they're starting for mm -hmm. me to show like oh, I'm like oh my diet is so clean now just cuz it hurts my freaking elbows and knees from inflammation so are you agreeing disagreeing you want to add anything to that yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, you're exactly right. Everything you're saying is very important. And, you know, I mean, it's like, how important is it for you to be a successful hunter? Um, you know, it's lifestyle changes, you know, it's like you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink kind of thing. You know, I mean, I deal with that every day and, in, and, in, and, in, in my medical practice, it's like, you know, you tell people what's good for them. But if they don't really believe what you're telling them, then most of the time they're not going to uh, implement, you know, those changes. And because it's, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard for people to make those lifestyle changes, you know. Um, uh, it's hard for me, you know. 
people tell me what I need to do. Do I listen to them? Sometimes, yeah, a lot of times, sometimes I don't, you know, but, um, but yes, uh, I think core strengthening is, um, is vitally important. You know, um, uh, I did a lot of yoga, uh, before this year, I, I recently had, uh, back surgery, uh, uh, about a year ago and, uh, I had a fusion L4, L5 and that put me out for a year. And so no twisting, no bending, you know, and, uh, I can't surf, I can't do yoga. Uh, it, it really kind of limits me now. It looks like everything's fused up. So I need to get back on the program as far as the yoga goes. And like I was, I was, like I was saying before, a lot of guys, you know, this is easy for women to, to, to comprehend, but for a lot of guys, you know, they think, Oh, I'm going to the gym. I'm working on back. I'm working on legs. I'm working on, you know, uh, um, you know, chest, whatever. But uh, as far as the mountain hunting goes, the core strengthening. So yes, incorporating, some sort of yoga routine and, and i'm and there's a lot of good yoga uh stuff that you can do online for like for example peloton okay i don't know if you um but if you have a peloton you know monthly membership they have yoga classes and you know they, these yoga classes aren't you know you know you're doing you know you're getting into the spiritual aspect of yoga there's functional yoga that they teach and and without you know necessarily all the spiritual stuff not knocking that some people really enjoy that but um but uh very good things that most guys don't do with their body like they'll do similar moves like that that they don't realize when they're up on the mountain because you use so much core strength up on the mountain um, because you're, you're contorting your body in ways that you, you don't do just sitting at a weight bench and working on your regular muscle groups, you know, it's totally different from that. So, so, uh, uh, my wife, she's really into Pilates, um, in particular, Liguri Pilates. And, um, she's just starting to get me kind of into it. And it's another form of core, core strength thing other than uh, 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 other than yoga. And let me tell you, um, it, it will kick your ass. Uh, it is tough stuff, you know, so there's no, you know, um, but I guarantee you that if you implement uh, a day or, you know, a, a workout session a week or two workout sessions a week, even better, uh, some sort of yoga or, uh, or Pilates, um, you will be functionally uh, better than most of the people that you're up hunting with in terms of your ability to to twist, to bend, carrying a lot of weight, whatnot. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, nutrition is 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 is, is yes, yeah, vitally important when it comes to inflammation. You know, sugar creates a lot of inflammation in the body. We're all we're all addicted to to our sugar sweets. You know what I mean? I, you know I am. You know when I was a kid, I used to I had a paper route and uh, uh, I used to deliver papers. You know back way back when, and uh, uh, you know 
Well, I, I would, I would basically go collect my money from, from, from door to door. And I would take that money and, and I would go, go to the pharmacy and buy, you know, all the candy that I wanted because I was just so addicted to it. And, uh, uh, and then, then when the, when my manager came by at the end of the month, my parents would have to shell out money for him because I wasn't giving him enough money, but, but, um, but yeah, that's something I have to kind of think about later on in life. Is it good that I'm eating all the sugar, um, like for dessert or whatnot, you know, the happy meeting for, for everything. I tell my patients, you know, you have to find a happy medium because you can't, live strict one way or the other but but sugar in the body creates a lot of inflammation and um uh is it you know healthier for you to have a uh you know um, a packet of almond butter with you versus um a packet of skittles yeah probably up on the mountain probably the almond butter would be more beneficial for you um but uh diet is something that i think is it can be very difficult for some people um you know they're very kind of you know their their lives get very busy and they get wrapped up in the uh in the fast food type of thing the chick-fil-a and the, and the pizza and what like that and well that's okay you know once a week what what not but but sitting down and and figuring out you know you know i i like a really good Mediterranean diet, a lot of chicken, a lot of fish, um, uh, um, game meat. That's all we eat in the house. I mean, we rarely go to, I've got axis deer in the freezer. I've got, uh, elk in the freezer. I've got, uh, blacktail in the freezer. I've got lobster in the freezer. I've got white sea bass in the freezer. I've got uh, bluefin tuna in the, in the freezer. I, I mean, we, we don't, we don't really buy meat at the store, you know, so. Um, so it's, it's, um, it, that's, that's healthy, you know, that's meat that hasn't been necessarily processed with, um, you know, fed a lot of grain or fattened up with grain or whatnot, you know, the grass fed cattle is good stuff, you know, um, I mean, I enjoy a, a, a good, uh, um, uh, you know, T-bone steak, whatever now and then, but, um, but you know, the carbohydrates, um, carbohydrates are just really sugar. That's all they are. So, you know, you know, white bread, white rice, um, you know, uh, white potatoes, whatnot, you know, it's, it's basically sugar. So kind of, kind of somewhat controlling that in your diet is beneficial. So I, off the subject of hunting, just out of curiosity, has the, world uh well north america specifically the u.s have you seen a huge difference especially maybe in, in children as well um over the last years in in more unhealthiness or or obesity uh you know compared to, to 20 years ago has, it, does it seem like it's getting i mean from my perspective it seems like it's getting worse where fitness and uh nutrition are not not maybe um, focused on as much for some of our youth. Obviously there's a lot, you know, CrossFit and all that's going like crazy, but it, it seems like it's not, it's getting worse, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, um, you know, most parents want to do the right thing and they want to feed their children, you know, a healthy diet, you know, um, uh, most, most normal parents want that. 
but some, you know, some parents don't, don't have the ability to provide, you know, a healthy meal for their, for their children, you know, more underserved areas and whatnot, you know, they, you know, they, you know, these, you know, like these McDonald's happy meals and whatnot, you know, we're all, I mean, I, I have three kids. They're all old now. My youngest is like 24, but, um, uh, you know, we're all guilty of feeding our kids fast food and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but, but when it becomes kind of a, 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 a choice secondary to financial, uh, you know, then it becomes a problem. So where you see a lot of the obesity is in these um, underserved areas you know, uh, where, you know, basically they don't have an option, but, uh, but because what they can afford is, is, uh, is food that's not ideal, you know, nutrition, it's basically, uh, and then, and then it also comes down, the obesity comes down to exercise too, you know, uh, are the kids getting enough exercise or are they sitting at home, uh, uh, on their PlayStation, you know, for the majority of time. So, so I think there's a balance there. You know, um, and, you know, I think getting getting kids in, in some sort of athletic program from an early age, teaching them, you know, the benefit of teamwork and and um, and getting them kind of used to exercise. Like my son, Nick, he's 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 been hunting now for about seven years and he goes to the place where I'm hunting currently now. And um, uh, and. I, 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 he, he get he does a cow hunt every year. He, and, um, he has for the last four years and, and for the last 10, you know, for the last seven years or so, he just really has kind of let his body go. You know, he really hasn't, you know, uh, really worked on his body. He's eaten poorly. He likes going to Chick-fil-A and whatnot. He's got a, a bit of a gut and whatnot. And, and I said, Nick, you know, you want to be a successful hunter. You gotta, you know, you gotta, be able to because he hunts with my buddy ed takes him up for a cow hunt and and ed's a you know like me we're ex uh cross-country runners and and we 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 run miles you know on elk hunts and and uh and i said you want to keep up with ed and you want to shoot a cow with your bow you know then you got to get you got to you know you got to get into fitness you know and i've been telling him for the last you know four years or so i said look when you, I'm willing to take you out for your first bull hunt, but you got to get a cow with your, with your bow first. And, um, and so this year he made a, a very conscious effort. Finally, I said, finally, he's going, he's going to the gym, uh, once, once, a, or, uh, probably about four or five times a week doing cardio, doing lifting. And, um, he came very close to killing his first cow with a bow this year. Um, and I think he'll definitely do it next year. Um, but he knows where he needs to go. And, um, uh, and he's, he's 30 years old, you know what I mean? He's got his whole life ahead of him, but, um, but kind of teaching those values from an early age, you know, um, uh, getting them kind of into, you know, getting into some sort of exercise program at an early age is important. And, um, and I think hunters, you know, with kids, they kind of understand that and they kind of steer their kids in the right direction, you know, um, uh, especially, you know, um, uh, you know, getting, you know, when a kid 
draws and you know like a lifetime tag and they go out in the wilderness it's like you get a really good uh, um, uh, uh, quick introduction to you know hard work and uh, I think that's good yeah and I would I would say that was probably the biggest thing I'm seeing is the you know because the dieting is um, it doesn't seem to be I'd say the the fitness part is a big one that I see maybe that is not um, is focused on, and it may just be in my mind, it needs to be focused on maybe a little more so than, than it is. And, and like when the COVID stuff went on, it was one of those things for me where I, I, I mean, I understood the idea of everything and I, I got, but, but it seemed like we should have focused on a lot more of diet and nutrition at that same time. That was like a good time to push that. And it, it kind of got passed over, which, you know, obviously this is just me, but that's always something being kind of a reformed fat kid myself that I really focus on, especially now as I'm getting, you know, older and and trying to like stay as fit as humanly possible. And and I'm a fat kid. So like I look at cheeseburgers, I gain weight. So I got to be really careful anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you, you won't have an issue as you get older. I think, you know, as you get older, your metabolism slows down. It, help, it, it happens with all of us. And you have to basically kind of adjust your eating habits and even adjust your exercise program to reflect that. You know, they're doing a lot of research now on, on types of exercise and, and whatnot. And they're beginning to find out that all this, you know, really uh, uh, intense aerobic workout you know these 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 ultra marathon runners, these triathletes, whatnot. You know they. You know these guys. You know when they get to be in their fifties, they look like they're in their seventies. I mean, their body has been abused, and you know we're get, getting back to kind of the high uh, uh, inflammation pattern of uh, uh, of eating a lot of sugar. It's the same thing if you're if you're if you're excessively doing anaerobic or aerobic exercising, you know, like some of these ultra athletes are doing, you know, um, it, it, it's the same type of inflammatory process. You know, I speak to, you know, I speak to these, uh, you know, these professional athletes and, um, you know, at the end of their career and, and a lot of them, you know, talk about how nice it is not to wake up every morning in pain. You know, and I think that's that's you know that's kind of um, that's kind of a very telltale sign of you know that the body you know takes a lot of abuse, but it's not going to pay dividends. You know, all that abuse is not going to pay dividends later on in life. You know, uh, if you if you want to succeed at things, you know, that involves some sort of athletic ability later on in life, so. Well, um, it, it, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing where I taught, like when I brought up, you know, yoga or like you said, Pilates was I would, you know, I, I did, you know, I did some steroids when I was younger as as well and lifted way more weight. And if I could have talked to myself and said, hey, you know, dipshit, like don't one carry 200 pound loads of shit in your pack. And then two. I think working out every day is, is a great idea, 
but you have to have moderation and forethought in your your workout, right? And so lifting insanely heavy every day is not a great idea, but doing some kind of a workout, I think is a great idea. But when you push it, just like you said, sugars, Mm -hmm. yeah, that can be a negative too, which is what I'm dealing with now with my knees. Now I had a great, you know, like it's been awesome, everything I've gotten to do, but if I would have changed a few things, I would bet that my knees wouldn't be hurting right now and my elbows wouldn't be in pain. Um, And I probably would only had to change just a very few things. So. Yeah. Yeah. Picking and choosing your battles really what it comes down to when you, when you reach that 50 level, it's like, um, you know, is it, I, I used to be a runner. I used to run a lot and I kind of, you know, kind of really cut back on the running a lot, you know, when I, when I turned about 55 and cause I realized there was more negative effect than benefit at that point. So so um, rather than running 10 miles, you know, trail running up in the hills, I basically, you know, will do like a two or three mile uh, trail run instead and then focus on the bike um, uh, because the bike, it's really great for my low back. It, it, it really, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off my low back. It, it works all the muscle groups in my legs. It, there's some core strengthening there too. Um, and, uh, um, and just minimal impact, you know what I mean? Minimal impact, uh, aerobic exercise for me is kind of key at this point. So finding that happy medium, everybody has their happy medium, you know, uh, um, you know, I think it's, it's just important for a guy who's hunting out West to be physically fit as a guy that's hunting in tree stand in, in, in the Midwest or the East, you know, it's just as important for them to just be physically fit as well too, because there's a lot involved with getting up and down in the tree stand. And, um, uh, and, uh, and we all know what kind of dangers there are as far as, you know, not falling out of a tree stand it happens all the time, but, um, uh, and you know, you just, you just feel better, you know, you just feel better your day to day. You feel better, you know, when you're doing some sort of regular exercise. So, yeah, yeah. I, well, and I, again, I think that as I'm whatever getting beat up more and more as I get older again, like I, it, it, it is one thing that I'm, I'm trying to relay some of the things I've learned over the, over time of like, Hey, you know what? It's great to work out or, you know, CrossFit's awesome. But like, there's, there's just, there's, you, you pay the tollman no matter what you do, especially if you do not, you know, you know, if you don't do it in moderation or at least have an, um, a game plan for longevity. And I'm finding that out, um, you know, as, as I'm sure, to, you know, anybody, like you said, 50, 45 to 50 right now for me is like, there's something seems to be always aching and wrong. And I might be yeah. not the only one, but it seems like anybody I've talked to in that age no. group, that's just happens. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 I wake up with something not feeling right. It's like, I would love to be back in those days when, when you wake up in the morning and you feel like there's no pain, but you know, you know, when you look, you push your body, you know, nothing wrong with you push your body within reason, but you know, everybody has these, there's not many guys I know that, that, that are our age, uh, that, um, uh, that don't have some sort of aches and pains going on. And, and, and you shouldn't limit yourself to look, I'm, I'm 60 and I've got, I've got like 
I've got this mountain goat hunt. I've got a, a doll sheep hunt coming up in, uh, in 2025. I've got a, uh, um, a stone sheep hunt coming up in like 2026. You know what I mean? You say, well, I hope I can mountain hunt until I'm, you know, up until I'm 60. Well, that's the wrong attitude. You, now, it would be appropriate to say, I hope I can mountain hunt up until the time I'm 70. Well, if I make it to 70, I'll be happy. But right now I'm, I'm hoping for 60. So, <laughs> and again, I, I think that the biggest reason is, is I'm learning, I am not, uh, you know, Superman the last, I mean, do 38 to 42, 43, I was a monster. And then shit, like the yeah. wheels just fell off the fucking wagon at 45. And I mean, I tell people this and that, that are 10 years old. Well, wait till you're this. I, I, I believe you. I, I believe that, that. I believe that. And I'm, I'm not trying to say yeah. I'm worse off. I'm just saying this is a new thing for me where I'm like, first I had fractures in my foot and my knees are bugging me. I have tendonitis in my elbows. And I look back and I think, okay, it was worth it, right? Like it's, I have got to do a lot of cool things and it's catching up to me now and I'm shifting my workouts and really focusing on, you know, mobility and, and uh, stretching and things like that. But it also is like, fuck, what's wrong today? Like, holy cow, where I, and it's, it's new to me. And so that's why I'm like, oh, well, if I can make it to, to 60, but I will say with the changes I'm making, if I can get kind of my knees figured out and they're not that bad now, but they're, you know, they're, I'm noticing them and I'm getting MRIs on in December on both of them. But uh, mm-hmm. I think once those are fixed, I'm getting ahead of this enough to where now it's like my diet's super clean. I'm, I'm doing different exercises and stretching. I'm not lifting heavy and uh, a, a lot more lower impact stuff that I'm, you know, like what you're saying is, yeah, maybe I'll make it to 70, but I can't, uh, you know, I mean, the whole, hey, let's just, let, let's just strap, you know, 180 pounds to me. It's only a mile. Yeah, if I do that, you need to hit me in the head with your fucking recurve. Like, I, and I'm bad about that, and I, I, I need to stop doing it. Yeah, that. yeah. And, and I think a lot of, you know, outfitters and packers, you know, when it comes down to it, and, they're, and there's no choice but to come town heavy, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like yeah, I got to bite the bullet, but, you know, it's okay to, to – sh- stop and take a rest. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people that I just got to get down the mountain. I just got to get down. It's just like, let's just get down. You know what I mean? But, but I think it's really important to give your muscle groups a rest. And then, and then once you take a little rest, have a little food, start hanging down. Better to do that than blow out your knee. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of guys, uh, um, I'm fortunate. I, I, you know, I look, I'm, I'm hunting some amazing animals, and I have the, and I'm very fortunate to have the, the, the ability to do that, uh, this later on in life, fi- both financially and physically. But, you know, unless you're a youth hunter who, who draws that lifetime tag, you know, or, um, you, you're really, your only option other than that, you know, if, if you don't have the financial means is you're waiting for that that lifetime 25 year, 30 year tag. And if you, and unless you've been putting it in or your dad's been putting it in since you were, you know, 20, 20 years old, you know, you start putting in like, like I'll never have an opportunity to, to, to draw a Thule elk tag in California. I'll never have an opportunity to draw, um, uh, 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 
uh, a sheep in California, you know, uh, but, uh, but being prepared for when that happens, because it might, it might happen when you're 50, it might happen when you're 60, it might happen when you're 70, you know, you never know, you might draw that tag in your 70s. And I know a lot of guys that are drawing lifetime tags in their 70s now. And, and, um, and it may be, you know, that, at that age, you're not realistically able to take it with a bow, but you got a rifle and you can get it done. You still got to get up the mountain, you know, or where go as far as you need to go. But, but kind of preparing yourself for that, because I think a lot of these, these guys that, that they're waiting for those hunts and it may be when they're older, you know, having that as a, a carrot in front of them. Yeah. I'm going to draw this tag and I'm going to be, I'm going to be ready. You know, it's a good, good way to, 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 to think about staying fit for that, for that opportunity. Yeah. And I mean, it's true. That's what you, what do they, you know, the, uh, what do they say? Uh, youth is wasted on the young or whatever you, by the time you yeah. draw a lot of these tags, you're physically beat up sometimes. Like, you know, when I go to yeah. the mountain goat yeah. and uh sheep orientation in Colorado, 80% of the people that drew are, are, are between 50 and 80, right. Or 50 and 75. Yeah. And, you know, I yeah. mean, it just takes a long time to draw. So when you do, I, I mean, I agree. You want to be, you want to be able to actually get there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, man, I, we've been on an hour. I don't want to suck up your entire morning. Is there anything else you want to add, uh, you know, to this? You've got a pretty crazy, I say crazy life. When I first saw Drew get out of the car uh, in Texas, and don't laugh, but you had kind of blonde, wavy hair <laughs> from California. And, and and keep in mind, Scotty is so far to the right, he's got to look right to see the left. And I'm like, he's not, this fucking guy's not going to make it a week. Scotty will kick him out of camp. Like, and uh, I'm like, and you you had kind of like Derek Jeter glasses on, and I'm like, oh fuck! And Scotty's like, you're you know, was saying I was going to guide you. I'm like, Jesus, Scotty, what the fuck did you do to me? And then I, your quiver, I saw your quiver on your recurve. I'm like, oh, he's cool. And then obviously now you you know we talk all the time. We're super close friends. But yeah, it was yeah. it was funny when you got out of the car. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of sense that when I got into camp. Honestly, it's not a it's, that's look coming from California. When I was a kid, I, I used to do uh, I, I used to wrangle horses on ranches in Colorado, and uh, um, and so you know li, you know living in a bunkhouse with with uh, you know ten other cowboys, you know all from you know the Midwest and Texas and whatnot you know, you're the butt of the joke from California. I mean, they just, I mean, I just, the, the abuse didn't start. It didn't stop. You know what I mean? Until I, I, I showed them that I was capable of, of handling a horse and getting up at three thirty in the morning to go get the horses and whatnot and doing what I need to do. Then they started accepting me in the fold. You know what I mean? But you know, I mean, look, California born and raised. Okay it's 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 an amazing state i think it quite possibly is the the most beautiful state in in the in the, in the united states um i think for a lot for for um for the most part um there's a lot of good hard-working people living in california in general you know it's like you know when i go to these camps and they i say i'm from california 
you know, I, I get a little bit of the stink eye, you know, you know, look, there's, there's no, I, I told my daughter, I wouldn't get political on this podcast, but you know, um, there's no, there's no uh, uh, escaping the fact that look, we're, it's a, you know, Los Angeles, a liberal city, San Francisco is a liberal city and, and, and the policies, you know, uh, can be difficult for a conservative to understand what's going on. But, um, but, but people lose sight of the fact that the, the outskirts of those cities, there's a lot of hardworking hunting, uh, 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 moderate to conservative people that enjoy life, that enjoy ranching, that enjoy farming. Uh, uh, and, and I think a lot of people lose sight of that, you know, um, and it kind of, and, and these kind of clusters of problems, you know, these small, I mean, this concentration of cluster problems that happen in some of the larger cities kind of take the narrative, you know what I mean? And, and, um, uh, uh, and it's, it's kind of a shame, you know, that that's the case, but, but, um, uh, California is an amazing place to hunt. You know, you can hunt so many Western animals in California. Uh, uh, and, um, and generally, you know, the people aren't any different, you know, uh, uh, than, than the people in Wyoming or Montana or Texas or whatnot, and, you know, so. I think in, in some respects, California gets a little bit of a bad rap, but yeah, yeah, you know, I got my, I got my long surfer hair, you know, I, it, people look at me like this, this, this quack from California, you know, what's he talking about? And so the funny thing is, is they, 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 they immediately start with the questions, you know what I mean? Like they want to see what side of the fence I'm on right off the bat. You know what I mean? It's like, I get grilled with questions right off the bat, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about, what do you think about that? And, you know, once I start answering a few questions, they kind of settle down a little bit, but, um, but they sure are surprised. I'm an, I'm kind of an enigma, I guess. And, um, and it's fun. It's fun. It's like walking into brown bear camp with a stick bow. You know what I mean? It's it's the same, it's the same look. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I, like we don't like I I just don't want to get into any of that shit and hunting. You know what I mean? Like I just want to go yeah yeah you know, hunting. And I I think what it generally and I'm stereotyping here, but from what I've seen is, um, you know, one side of there's wackos on both sides of the fence, and I don't ever get political about shit either. So, but there's wackos on both sides. Sure. There's there's nut jobs on the far left and the far right, and and the ones that just shut up and want to go have fun, I'm all about, right? I, but the ones that yeah. are like, you know, when you when you're well, when I say that, if you're all in a agreement and there's not going to be any yelling and screaming and fighting, then yeah, talk, talk as much shit as you want. But when there's different political or religious or whatever views then let's just go have fun and not talk about those things. Right. And so it, you know, and when yeah. I, cause I just don't want to deal with it. And so, I mean, man, I tell you like recently doing the broadhead and vein review, it's just as bad as fucking politics or religion. Like it is amazing oh, yeah, how yeah, violent people get and angry about yeah. different things. Well, bless you, my son on that one for sure. What's that's, it? That's oh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's a tough that's a tough road you're going down. You know, it's like I think some of the things I really have a, a tough time dealing with is you know, when you have these, you know, and I listen to all types of podcasts from 
from, you know, primarily rifle hunters to archery hunters and whatnot. And I just have a really big problem with, with, you know, holier than thou, you know, uh, you know, rifle hunters having problems with archery hunters and, and archery hunters having problem with rifle hunters. We're all hunters. Can't, can't we all just get along? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, why, why do you need to denigrate, you know, somebody because he uses a rifle to, to take his, to take his game. I've, I've used a rifle to shoot my animal. If I couldn't get, uh, um, I couldn't get it with a bow. If I have an opportunity to do that, I'll do that. I'm not a purist. Okay. You know, uh, but, um, I just, I just have a problem, you know, when people start judging other people for the implement they use, you know, um, you know, um, I mean, even, I mean, look, we could go down the crossbow, <laughs> the crossbow, uh, uh, we're not going to go down that road, but, um, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, in the right circumstance, a, cro- a crossbow can be appropriate for a guy that's, you know, maybe a little older, you know, maybe can't get around so much, maybe can't get that close. But, um, you know, I hate, I hate to, to, to see when people get so uptight about, you know, you know, and I, we're kind of, people are prejudiced, you know, people are prejudiced against archers, you know, and just as much prejudice to comp, even more so with traditional archery, but, but the same thing with compound, they just believe that an arrow has no place in killing an animal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I mean, I don't get it as bad now with the compound as I did with the, you know, the, the stick bow. Um, and I, again, like these are very, I'm going to like blanket statements I'm about to make, but it it's, it's no different than when I started shooting a, a stick was to prove a point because of a podcast I did. And, and anyway, but, but when you look at, let's say a, 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 a stick bow guy, that can shoot a paper plate at 30 or 40 yards and that's how close he's going to get. And he puts in a ton of work. And then you have a compound guy that picks his bow up a week before season. And you have a rifle hunter that's 80 pounds overweight and never. And I, I mean, I say 80 pounds overweight, just kind of a shoot it out of the truck guy. Well, I mean, I gotta say, I'm a, if, if the stick bow guy is only proficient at 30 to 40 at a paper plate, but he's fit and he's in a good mood and he's constantly, you know, just a positive person. Well, I would take that guy over the other ones by far. And they have mm-hmm. the blanket statement. And since like, look, I don't, if, I mean, again, these are blanket statements coming from me, but who would you rather have in a hunting camp? A rifle guy because he has a rifle that's a fucking asshole that's not in shape and just a constant dick, or a stickbow guy that's in generally in a good mood all the time? And that's where I get kind of irritated about the whole thing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 you know, uh, I don't know. I just try to be nice to everybody. You know, I, I try to understand their whole purpose for hunting, and you know. Uh, being out there harvesting the animal, you know, um, that's, that's what kind of, you know, as you get older, you know, harvesting the animal for me is, 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 uh, definitely a positive. It's not the whole experience. I find that, um, it's more, the more experience of being out in, uh, in the wilderness, like being in the Yukon, um, experiencing, um, 
you know, being up glassing on bears and watching this 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 magnificent wolf walk past uh, down the riverbank by himself, just looking for a mate or something. You know, that this wolf, I mean, has to stand like, I mean, the back has to be like four feet off the ground. I mean, it just, those things are just, you know, watching bears, you know, interact with each other, uh, you know, uh, in, you know, on country and whatnot. It's just those experiences, those are what you really bring back from, from the hunt, not necessarily the kill, but just the experiences of, of uh, animals on the landscape that, that, less than 1% of people really get the experience, you know, uh, that's kind of what it, as they get older, that's kind of what it's more about for me. Um, you know, but, uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I like to, I like to, to kill animals and get them on the ground and whatnot, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a fun experience. I've enjoyed, I really enjoy the traditional thing. And, and you were a big part of that. You know, your, your, your road into, into traditional archery uh, was, was a big part of me jumping on the bandwagon, honestly, and Matt Zernzak and Tom Clum and whatnot. Uh, that Those were big, uh, uh, those big mentors for me, you know, and, and um, I know you've gone back to the compound thing uh, and um, just, just, just don't you you influenced a lot of guys to go into traditional archery based on what you did and then you know just don't forget about us guys okay yeah yeah no the uh i get asked that frequently as far as picking up a you know a stick bow again and and the way that my brain works if people haven't figured it out i have to be constantly one challenged and then two like I I have to have a spark and you know when when people there's all kinds of things people make up of you know me going from one to the other or whatever but the the bottom line was I I I got in a wreck um it didn't have anything to do physically I I mean I got a concussion but it didn't have anything to do with me shooting but my recurves I left at Scotty's because I got hit when I was down there my truck was totaled when I drove back um you know, home, I had kind of grabbed a limited amount of stuff because I knew I would be coming back down to Scotty's. And when I got there, there was compounds there for me to do a bow review. And mm-hmm. when I put them back together, I was having fun again shooting a compound. And I make more money shooting a compound. Uh, when I say that I do have some endorsement contracts with different companies, it is a lot easier on my body and all of that. But I am having fun again shooting a compound, which is originally why I stopped shooting when I wasn't having fun anymore. And I, I had a lot of fun shooting a, a stick bow. I, I will say that, that it, it, um, you know, I do use technology because people are like, well, just get closer with your compound. Eh, probably not. That's not my DNA. Like if it's at 80, I'm going to shoot it. Um, and, and, yeah. you know, that's, I, I like, you know, I like shooting a compound and I can shoot further. So my hunts don't last as long as they were with the stick, not necessarily, just distance because most of my animals I've shot with the compound in the last you know couple of years have been you know sub twenty but uh, but I am able to drop a bomb when I need to but it's all about fun for me and being challenged is what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, um, look again, I don't I don't knock whatever equipment guys use to to hunt. You know, hunting is an experience. It's not about the equipment. You know, it's what you enjoy to use and. You know, I will say that, you know, um, 
you know, that you, something you probably struggle with yourself at this point, because look, I see how much you shoot your compound bow and I see how much effort you put into doing these reviews and whatnot. And, and, um, and really dialing in your equipment. And I would say that, you know, that's 1% of the population or less than 1% that, that has that, that drive to be that proficient with a compound bow. And so I don't have a problem with you shooting an animal at 80 yards. When I was on a sheep hunt with my compound, I had an opportunity to shoot a beautiful ram, beautiful ram, 80 yards. The guide looked at me and says, do you want to take that shot? And I said, you know what, 80 yards, I'm just not proficient at taking that shot. I don't feel comfortable, you know, and, um, and I, I, don't, I think people, you know, you're enigma. You're, the problem you have is here you are, you're putting out these videos, you're shooting these things at a hundred, hundred plus yards. And somebody looks at that and they says, well, Hey, I can do that too. And they go out and they put maybe a small effort into shooting that 80 to a hundred yards and, and people have to realize that you have to, you know, you really have to be proficient at, at what you're capable of. And if you want to shoot as much as Aaron Snyder shoots and become that proficient, then yeah, go, go for it. Shoot that animal at 80 yards. You know what I mean? But, you know, uh, uh, I think it's, it, it, it's kind of a, almost like you bear a responsibility, you know, to, to have that message out, you know what I mean? That, that, people need to be, you know, conscious about what they're, what they're capable of shooting. No, I agree. And I, and I do need to do, I mean, I mention it sometimes and I talk about it and, and sometimes I mention it in a, maybe a different way than I, than I should. Cause I said things before, like, Hey, if you can't, you know, hit a, a you know, let's say whatever, a paper plate at 60, you pr you'd probably don't need to worry about what fletches on your arrow because they'll all do fine. You really need yeah. to focus on your shoot, how to shoot a bow and form and everything else. So, but, and, and you're right. I mean, I definitely, I mean, especially, you know, like guiding, um, and you know, you were down, we have targets, you know, set out and I'll, I'll have guys watching them and I'll have them shooting at 60 and 70 missing the target. And then I'll ask them later, like, Hey, what are you comfortable to? They'll be like, ah, 70, 80 yards. And I'm like, well, that's a fucking lie. Like, that's definitely not what I just saw yeah. out front. Yeah. And I don't make a scene of it. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to keep that in my yeah. my brain. So, yeah. Sure. But no, you're yeah, right. I probably uh, do need to relay that message a little bit better because I am constantly shooting far and could be like, that could give the blessing to someone thinking it's okay. But I mean, again, it's me. I know animal behavior really well, anatomy. And I also know when I... You know, when I say I like, I know when I, I, when I should be shooting and when I should not be, meaning whether it's my heart rate, my footing, the animal behavior, there's a lot that goes into dropping a shot at, at 70, 80, 90 yards. And most of my shots are not yeah. that far. And that's one thing I need to really relay is, um, I mean, if you go like my, my antelope was far from two or three years ago, but like my elk was 17, my mule deer was nine, 19, 22, and six yards. That, that owl dad was seven and a half. I mean, most of my shots are close. Yeah. I mean, all doable with a stick bow, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I think people need to realize too. And I give Tim Gillingham shit about this all the time. And I'll argue with this with anyone. If you're shooting shit at a hundred yards, you're a fucking horrible hunter. Like, I'll do it occasionally. Yeah. I'm just saying like you suck at hunting and you're a shooter. And I'm, I mean, keep in mind as I, 
I, sometimes I will shoot for, but this is something where when guys, there is much more of a brownie patch to wear on your chest of getting inside of 20 than hitting something at a hundred. And, and I, and I, again, I'm, I'm being, I'm very well-rounded at this. And I, I mean, that sounds arrogant, but I've shot the stick in the compound. I've shot close and far. I promise you yeah. when somebody sneaks in to sub 20 and especially sub 10, there are far, far, far better hunter than a guy that's generally dropping from 50 to 80 that the skill set is getting close. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, in my situation, okay. On that sheet, that, that, that full curl plus doll sheep with lamb's tails on both sides uh, at 80 yards across the field where you don't have any cover to close that yeah. distance broadside, yeah. you, you're going to take that shot at 80 yards because you can do it. You yeah. know, I'm not going to take that shot because I can't do it, but, but you, you know, you can do that. You know, my, my limit right now with a stick bow, I'm comfortable with 35 yards. I can, I can put, I can put the, you know, uh, I can put it in the oven at 35 yards pretty consistently. Okay. Now I know, I know there's other guys out there like, like Randy cooling who can, who can, can shoot, you know, pretty proficiently 50, 60 yards. And, and I think that's great. You know, uh, he's proven that he can do that, but you know, for me, it's like, if I want to shoot to 50 or 60 yards and be proficient with the stick bow, I got to practice to 50 or 60 yards. And I don't do enough of that to, to justify it. And, you know, quite honestly, I really enjoy getting close to the animals. That's the other thing about, uh, it's like, I have no choice, but to get close to them. You know, uh, there's no questioning a stick, you know, a comp when you're with a comp, I mean, with your, with a stick bow and you've got to close another 20 yards. Although when you have a compound, then your question, do I shoot this animal at 50 yards? And yeah, I'm good at 50 yards, but, but should I be shooting him 50 yards? Should I be trying to get a little bit closer? And, um, and, uh, I guess, I guess it kind of a little bit liberating feeling with a stick bow. It's like you, you, you're forced to get close and there's kind of no other option and you just do it and you're surprised yourself how close you can get. And I think that's a lot. That's what a lot of people have difficulty doing is, yeah, I'll pick up a stick bow, but I, I'm a little worried that I'm going to be able to get close. And, and I'll tell you, you know, don't knock it until you try it. You know, it, if, if, if your technique is good and you work the wind, you'd be surprised how close you can get. And I, th I think that's what a lot of people, they're kind of hesitant about, you know, picking up a stick bow because of that no and and, and you're 100 percent correct it's just you have to have that commitment and know you know you could sit on one animal for three days uh waiting for it to bed yeah. in the and we talked about that on the goat hunt it's like hey there's no pressure back yeah. there we just need to know like you and i may be getting real comfortable side by side watching an animal over and over for an entire day or two till it beds in a a good position. And if you, if you're aware of that, you're not going to have any issues, but if you're pushing the issue a lot with the stick bow, you may have a lot of fun, but you may blow a lot of things out as well. You kind of have to, at, at certain points, you got to wait for that perfect opportunity, especially on something like, you know, a, a, a mountain goat because of the terrain they're in and everything else. So. Yeah. I, I, I gotta be honest with you that, that, that mountain, that mountain goat hunt, probably scares me the most 
just yeah. because I know I'm hunting with you. And, and although we've never hunted in the mountains before, and I know how hardcore you are. So, so I'm starting to get into shape now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I, I hunt. the one, because the last thing I want to be is a pussy on that hunt. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I go at my own, look, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I go at my own speed and, uh, and I will get up the hill, you know, but you know, you got, you got 10 years of life on me, uh, and a lot more experience and, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it, I, I'm, I'm super stoked, psyched for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. The one thing you'll, de- you'll find with me is, um, I don't, I, am I, the, the way that my, I work and have for the last few years is okay. I know, and, and it's these Garmin watches are super handy, but I, I know if my heart rate stays yeah. at one level, I can go for infinity, right? I, I mean, I say that literally yeah. like, you know, but when, you know, it goes over a certain point, you're kind of running on borrowed time. And so knowing that, and then also knowing obviously the person with you is the exact same, but maybe at a higher or lower level. And then just going slow went to, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is it doesn't matter if you get there really fast and no one can move after that. So if it takes a right. day to exactly. get there, well, and I mean, it's youth, right? I mean, wouldn't have told you this 20 years ago, but now I'm like, I'm never in a rush really. And so I think it surprises people because it's like, look, dude, I'll smoke just about anybody on the mountain, but why? To, to what end? Did I, did I win a trophy? So now... You know, and I've I've learned a lot, obviously hunting with guys with more experience. It's just go slow and get there. Even if it you burn an entire day. If you're fresh when you get there, yeah, that I, is what's important. I agree. That's that, I think that's a really great philosophy to have, you know, for anybody. I don't care what fitness level you're at. You know, I understand, you know, it's getting dark. You got you know, you got another, you know, a couple hundred yards of scree that you gotta get up you know, uh, in order to get to your, to your ideal position, you know, then, then, then it's, you know, it's crunch time. You got to get there, but if, you know, those beds, the sheep are bedded down, they don't look like they're going anywhere. Then it's like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, work at a methodical pace, you know, not, not too slow, not too fast. Uh, that first sheep on I did on in Chugash, man, I got to the top and all both my hamstrings and quads, uh, locked up at the same time, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, like I said, getting back to nutrition, I wasn't prepared nutritionally. I didn't have any type of, you know, goo with me or any type of electrolyte replacement. And so I just, I just hit the wall at the top of that hill. I mean, that was, that was probably the hardest physical experience I've ever experienced in my life, climbing, climbing those Chugash mountains. They're, they're, they're gnarly. Yeah. That's where I shot my, uh, uh, that Wolverine, um, was in the Chugach, yeah, yeah. different area, but you know, you, talk about this and I'll, I'll quit talking here in a sec, but I'll prime example when we had, uh, Ralph and Vicky, um, you know, they have, uh, the edge in the, the choice TV show, their, their son right. and their son's cameraman came on one of the hunts and, uh, neither one even scratching the surface of mid-level fitness, uh, and the cameraman real closer to the bottom end. And, I will say that is the slowest I've hiked in anywhere. And it was so slow, even for me, I was struggling because I'm like, literally, I'm like walking 10 yards in, to 20 on on flatter ground. And then like, okay, it's like, right. slow down. And then, but we got him a goat, right? I mean, it, 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 we got, we got them a goat and we got the goat on the, the first day of hunting. 
we burned a day to go super slow to get there. And we took a long time off in the afternoon, uh, you know, after getting hiked, you know, getting hiked in and get the camp set up. Um, and, and they were good kids. Uh, you know, they were young. They, they had, they were 24 years younger than me. So 34 years younger than you, but, uh, the yeah. biggest thing is, is they got a goat and that's just going yeah. slow. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, as long as you can keep the engine moving, you know, you got a, you got a pretty good shot out of shot at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a, not a sprint, but, uh, we've been on an hour and a half, dude, I should leave you alone. And I got to take Lily out before she pisses on the podcast floor. So. Yeah, I got my, I got to get my dogs out too. They're looking at me like, uh, you know, that I got to take a crap look. You know? <laughs> uh, well, dude, I, I appreciate you getting on and I appreciate all the help and all of answering all my goofy ass questions all the time when my body's falling apart. So thank you. Yeah. Pleasure, dude. Good talking with you. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll call you about that, uh, that bow coming and everything else later today. Sounds good, buddy. All right, Have a t- good day. Everybody stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. Take it easy.